Mike Rags and Todd Burlage with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk, it's the Blue Gold Report. Well, hello again, everybody, and a happy Thanksgiving to one and all out there. The 11-0 Fighting Irish uh, Blue and Gold Report podcast begins now. I'm Mike Rags. I'm going to bring in Todd Burlidge here in a second. This uh, podcast and show brought to you by D.O. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. Uh, we do this every Friday, and this is uh, maybe the most anticipated Friday we've ever done as we get ready for USC this weekend and try to go undefeated. Uh, 12-0 and and pretty much secure a playoff position in the college football playoff standings. We are at number three as we head into week number 12. Let's bring in uh, the guy who writes about uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish sports. That is uh, from Blue Gold Illustrated senior writer Todd Burlidge. Todd, uh, never would have thought we'd be 11-0, and but we are 11-0 and as we head into this final weekend. Syracuse uh-huh, no problem at all. Total domination. Yeah, how about that? Style points. They're, they're actually banking style points if you look at Florida State and then Syracuse. Yeah, absolutely. 11-0 and when you're in. So this, this will be a fun weekend, fun Saturday. Yeah, I don't want to hear about the quarterback getting hurt either because they totally dominated that game from beginning to end. I mean, it, I don't think it would have mattered. Matter. Nah, well, it wasn't going to matter. And uh, boy, they really wanted to, to not be shut out Syracuse there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was uh, a little uh, surprising that the, they did that. But whatever, uh, you know, Mr. Babers, if he if it's that important to you to have points on the board, go ahead and do that. I don't even know if the, the you know, nobody on that selection committee just looks at the final score, Todd. They're looking at the whole game. Yeah, thirty six to three. They they were they were hell bent, shall we say, on getting that three points up there. So whatever. Doesn't matter. Um, probably the most impressive game of the season for Notre Dame, and it couldn't have come in a better time against a, a top twelve team. So, you know, when we talk about strength of schedule, we'll get a little bit more into that. But certainly when you talk about style points, you look at Florida State, and now Syracuse, certainly uh, Notre Dame is logging all those. No doubt about it. they got one more uh, task to uh, get over, and we'll talk about the USC game coming up. They're not a very good team, the Trojan team. We'll see wh- what kind of trouble uh, Notre Dame can find out there, if any. And Todd had an opportunity to sit down with the true warrior on the team, Drew Tranquil, who is, uh, whose stock for the NFL has improved all year long. we just got to keep him healthy uh, through the playoffs. Uh, he might be playing two extra games so that's the thing we got to worry about with drew but he is certainly playing hurt and playing at an excellent level with that injury as well we'll look at the playoff uh and the playoff implications that could happen over the weekend todd uh a couple of uh, cookie cutter games out there some bye weeks uh but uh the conference championships are next week so uh, t- that's when notre dame will have their bye uh and of course you got that big game ohio state and michigan um that should have some playoff implications. Uh, but first, uh, let's go out to Blue Gold Nuggets and see what you have for us. Uh, the uh, the week uh, 11, uh, 12 uh, Blue Gold Nuggets. What's up? Alright, three-pack for you. Start with some men's hoops. Uh, some sort of surprising news. Senior forward Elijah Burns. He is out of here. Um, he's transferring. Uh, talk about here today, gone to tomorrow. He was uh, he played on Saturday and he announced first thing Tuesday morning that he was leaving the program Uh, He'll graduate in December. That's the good news. Then he can take his grad transfer year uh, and play it somewhere else. So we wish him well. He never quite found his footing here at Notre Dame. Although he he, he was averaging 11.3 minutes this year, 5.3 points and 3.8 boards, which isn't bad. I mean, certainly those are all career highs. 
he had that really nice game uh, against uh, what was a Chicago State career high fifteen points uh, in seventeen minutes. So there, there was a little bit of uptick for him, but I think he saw the writing on the wall with this youth movement. So uh, he is out of here, and again, uh, we wish him well. Uh, the Joe Moore Award to the goes to the best defense. I'm sorry, offensive line in the country. Notre Dame won it last year. Um, they they have that beautiful and huge trophy uh, sitting in their football uh, offices. Notre Dame is again a semifinalist for that award. A little bit surprising since Alex Bars uh, is out for the season, probably their best offensive lineman. But still, they're one of ten semifinalists uh, as they try to defend this award. Um, yeah, some of the other ones: Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Memphis, Oklahoma, Pittsburgh, and Wisconsin. Those are your other ones. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. How that goes, I don't expect Notre Dame to defend its title on the Joe Moore Award, but it is one of ten semifinalists, and that's saying something considering considering they lost two first-round draft picks to the NFL after last year. And another note on the award front here, Brian Kelly was named the Bobby Dodd Coach of the Week last week after the Syracuse performance. He also won it after the blowout of Stanford earlier this year. And finally, Tim Brown. Uh, you used to co-host a show with Tim sure. Brown. His 1987 Heisman Trophy is up for auction. It's probably going to bring in about 750000 it would appear, uh, considering Colorado's running back, Rashawn Salam. His 1994 Heisman went for $400,000. Um, actually, Tim Brown sold this uh, quite a while ago, so it's a private seller that actually bought it from Brown and auctioned off again. So <laughs> trying to make a little bit of money there, and those are your blue gold nuggets. Interesting to say the least. Uh, Mr. Brown is now Hall of Famer, too. we got to put that, that caveat, the, the football Hall of Famer. So, I can't imagine he's hurting for money, you know. It's kind of mm-hmm. it seems kind of weird that he ditched that thing, but oh well. Yeah, and he's very uh, he's very religious and, and very community related. So maybe he just wanted to give back. I, I don't know, but uh, could be. Uh, all right, uh, let's talk about Syracuse here. And as we mentioned at the top, it, it really wasn't a fight at all, and the game kind of got out of hand and got a ha- out of hand early. Now the offense looked good and efficient and all that stuff, but really, let's face it, this high tempoed Syracuse Orange. Offense totally stymied. What a defensive performance by not only the the you know Drew Tranquil and the like in the backfield, but the defensive line up front. I mean, they just everything was won in the trenches, and they did it with that front line. Eleven tackles for loss, six sacks. It looks like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different players at least had a hand in a sack. Very impressive up front. I go right to the safeties, though. This is probably the position group on the team that is showing the most improvement from last year. If you remember last year's safeties, Nick Coleman and and, and, uh, and Elliot Jalen Elliott, as he was trying to find his way, um, they didn't intercept a single pass. And that's interesting because that's the first time since, I believe it's 1964, that a group of safeties for Notre Dame did not intercept a pass. That's all changed this year with Alohi Gilman. He had two picks. Elliott had one pick. They have six now for the year, uh, which is obviously a huge improvement. And because of that and the great play from the corners, pride and love, what's happened is Notre Dame now ranks number two in the country in pass efficiency defense. It's by far on pace to be a record for this team since they started keeping that statistic. You know, it, it just, and then I think you have to go back to what you said, Rags. I think a lot of that, a lot of the credit has to go to the guys up front that are forcing quarterbacks to make quick throws in that. It, it really is an all purpose defense. But Gilman, again, two picks, a lot of return yards there for sure. And he was named the defensive player of the week nationally. Um, so a great job by him. You know, 
the coaches raved about Alohi Gilman, said he's going to be a great player. If you remember, he came from Navy, and his story is kind of interesting, Rags, because the reason he ended up at Notre Dame was that the military academies, they flipped the rule, and they said, okay, if you have an NFL future, go use it. You don't have to worry about that active duty requirement, that two-year active duty requirement that you were required to do immediately after you graduated. They ditched that, but then within within a year, they they reinstated that. And so Gilman said, look, I want to play in the NFL, so I have to transfer out of here. Here's Brian Kelly talking about just the, the impact that Alohi Gilman has made on this team, and, and, and it is, it's marked for sure. He lights up the room when he walks in the room because he's got a personality. And, and so he doesn't do it when he walks into a locker room. He does it when he walks onto a football field. Alohi is, is sometimes a bit dismissive in, in, when, when praise is heaped on him uh, by, by teammates. He kind of shies away from it a little bit. And in the locker room, he'll even at times um, not keep to himself, but he's, he's not the loudest guy. But when you put him on that football field, it's a different guy. That's his office. That's where he goes to work. And so when he crosses that line, it's a different person. And so when I say infectious is that when he's on the football field, his personality comes out, his love for the game, his energy, his passion uh, starts to uh, affect others who may not be that same personality on the field, but maybe that in the locker room. So that's what I meant by his infectious personality. It's when he steps on that field. And I got to tell you, Todd, that uh, pass defended interception strip, whatever you want to call it, and run back for a touchdown was maybe the play of the year. That was just an unbelievable, miraculous return all the way for six. I mean, just to do it all, you know, to right. kind of strip the ball away and then have the, the wherewithal to find it and pick it off and then take it back. Yeah. He's a heck of an athlete, and I, he, keep in mind that he, as a freshman for Navy, he started as a safety there, and against Notre Dame, when they played, Navy actually knocked him off uh, that game. I believe Gilman had 10 tackles. It might have been 8, but I think it was 10 against Notre Dame, which led all players, and boy, that caught the eye of, of the Irish coaches for sure, so when he started talking about transfers, uh, the, the Notre Dame staff didn't waste any time. No, sir, Ree. And uh, if you want to, you know, you know, talk about the offense here at all. I, I mean, uh, Ian played in a fishing game. If the right. worst thing you're going to say about the team was what their uniforms look like, then you know it was a pretty good game. They even got garbage time for uh, Wimbush, which was nice to see. But again, um, wide receivers making big plays when needed. Um, Boykin had an okay game, but everybody else seemed to step up. And Todd, and uh, once again, the emergence and the maturity. Maturation of Ian Bug only bodes well as you head into a potential playoff situation. Yeah, for sure. Chase Claypool had a great game yes, as well. Six catches, 98 yards, one TD. You mentioned Brandon Wimbush. I'm glad you did because they're really they're making a, con- a concerted effort to get him on the field. Yep. They want to do more with him, Rags. He talked about it quite a bit this week. What that's going to look like, I don't exactly know, but perhaps we got a little bit of a taste of it against Syracuse. But I think you're going to see more of that, and I think that's a good plan for the guys. Yeah, he was in early in the backfield with Ian Book, so he was (laughs) in as running back. Uh, So, yeah, you're right. They definitely like his skill set, and we'll see where it comes into play. And hopefully if things go well, uh, you know, he'll he'll be in the game a lot against USC and maybe get some garbage time there. Um, All right. 
let's uh, move, look ahead and look at this poll. Nothing changed. Again, this is the fifth week and the first time it's ever happened where the top four has stayed the same uh, each and every week. The only change was it was nice to get UCF into the top ten. They actually leapfrogged Ohio State, which I shake my head at Ohio State. They should have lost <laughs> to Maryland. Um, yeah, you want to that? talk about this. You want to talk about should they even be considered higher Notre Dame? Should they be at number two? It's an interesting debate. One, I, I'd be here. I, I'd like to hear what you have to say about it. I think you could really make a case. Um, now, first of all, the, the entire uh, top eight didn't change. So sure. obviously you have Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan. Those are your four. And then Georgia, Oklahoma, LSU, Washington State. Certainly, we put that argument about Michigan potentially leapfrogging Notre Dame if they win the Big Ten. That's that's been put to rest. That that's we don't Notre Dame wins there in. But consider this, Rags. Okay, when you looked at the schedule, when you kind of look at it now, and Stanford really wasn't very good. Virginia Tech wasn't very good. Um, and then obviously uh, USC is not very good. So you really think, well, you know, what's that schedule going to look like? Okay, now all of a sudden. Notre Dame has beaten four top 25 teams. Number four, Michigan. Number 19, Northwestern. Number 20, Syracuse. And number 24, Pitt. They're the only team in the country that has beaten four top 25 teams. That's all you need to um, say. So, yeah, so so that, that's kind of interesting that we sit here and we kind of raged on their schedule quite a bit. But as it turns out, it's not too bad. And, and that's why I think you can sort of make a case that Notre Dame is one or two. The committee thinks otherwise. They, they I think they like that Alabama-Clemson eye test. Uh, the way they're just totally blowing teams out. But certainly Notre Dame's doing its part now. And shut up, Michigan fans. Even if you win out and win the Big Ten and somehow don't get in, that's not Notre Dame's fault. Notre Dame, I said this last week and I'll say it again, Notre Dame, if Michigan wins, will have beaten both teams in the Big Ten Championship. And pretty easily, too. I know both kind of crept in a little bit during the course of the game, but pretty neither game was ever really in doubt. And if you want to use that, well, Michigan was a different team, I'll always throw in your face, so was Notre Dame. They had their backup quarterback in that game. So, uh, (laughs) you know, really, the, the and Ohio State, they have no argument. They should have. They should have lost three more times after Purdue. It's amazing that they got out of there unscathed. So yes, they win. I think it's more certain now than ever. They win and they're in. And if Georgia muddles things up, that's not for Notre Dame to worry about. No, you're exactly right. No, and that, that's that's exactly how you have to look at it. Um, you know, I was kind of crunching some numbers here as I was trying to make my case that Notre Dame really could be one or two. Gets a little bit tricky to argue when you actually dive into the numbers. You know, when you look at Alabama, this is a team in scoring offense that's number three in the country, averaging forty eight point seven points, and they're number three in scoring defense, thirteen point one a game. So obviously balanced there. And you get the same thing from Clemson. This surprised me a little bit. Scoring offense, Clemson number five, uh, forty four point seven points a game, which is uh, ironically the same as Syracuse, which scored three points against Notre Dame. And then Clemson actually leads the nation in scoring defense, only giving up 12.1 points a game. So when you put those two against uh, up against Notre Dame, Notre Dame's scoring defense is 15th, 17.3. Not bad. Impressive. And the scoring offense uh, is number 27 at 34.6. Now keep in mind that Brandon Wimbush never even scored 24 points in one game uh, when he was quarterbacking, so that drags that down a little bit. 
But certainly when you put all that together, you can understand why perhaps Alabama and Clemson get the edge uh, in that one-two hole. But really, Rags, it, it just it's not going to make any difference, you know? Yeah, and their double-digit favorite coming up against USC as well. And right. Nobody would have thunk that. Uh, we'll talk about that USC team and, and what their plight has been most of the season. But, you know, Todd, you had the great opportunity to actually sit down with Drew Tranquil, who, you know, a Fort Wayne native who's actually starring right now on the team on defense. They moved them around each and then showcase them now to potentially be a first-round draft pick in the NFL. So things are getting exciting now. I just worry about his health because he has been banged up a lot. What did we learn from Drew Tranquil this week? He is an apps. I mean, he's just a warrior. You know, he won't. He's not going to complain about the ankle, but it's bothering him for sure. So get through this USC game. Maybe you can make it another blowout. Get him out. He's going to get some time to rest then. But I think what what I was kind of I'm going to do a story for Blue and Gold Illustrated on him. And what I was trying to approach this week with both Brian Kelly and Drew Tranquil is kind of his evolution. And what I'm referring to is I believe it was last year uh, I was asking Brian Kelly about Drew Tranquil. And he said, yeah, he's a great leader, but the guys are intimidated by him. He said, you know, because he's perfect, you know, off the field, community, he's up for the Academic Heisman Award. You know, he just does everything right. He's a spiritual guy. Um, And he was kind of, basically, Brian Kelly said he was tough to approach. You know, the players were a little bit intimidated. If they wanted to get his advice, it was a little tricky for him. Tranquil picked up on that. So this is about a five-minute interview. It starts with Brian Kelly talking about, Tranquil's evolution, and then it ends with me talking to Tranquil about Tranquil's evolution. You know, Drew was certainly a guy that, if you look at his career here, has played in so many different roles. You know, he's played safety, he's played rover, he's played inside linebacker, he's been a force on special teams. Great student, right? An accomplished student, a student athlete that's up for the highest uh, award. Uh, in the country. So, so those are all well chronicled, if you will. If you, if you followed Notre Dame from afar, you probably would even recognize those things. I think what people don't recognize more than anything else is that his growth as a teammate from last year to this year has been amazing. Um, and, and simply this, he was a captain, a leader, um, but he, he was hard to follow in a sense because the bar for him is so high, and, and almost sometimes for other players, hard to imagine being Drew Tranquil. <laughs> you know, almost a 4.0 engineering student, you know, a great player, a great citizen, great in the community spiritually. I mean, he was almost too hard to imagine uh, and almost too hard to mirror. This year, he's still that, but he's so close to his teammates because of uh, I think just the believability of who he is on a day-to-day basis. They see the same guy every day. He comes in, he works out, he trains, he fights through injuries, and they don't see all those other things. They see a guy that is so committed to being successful that they can mirror that. And so what he's meant to our team this year, even though – his, his status hasn't changed in a sense in terms of, you know, being a captain. He's, he's impacted our team so much differently. Looking back a little bit, what kind of a leader do you think you've been? What, what, what's been your leadership style since you've been here? You know, I think when I first got here, it was a, a guy that gets stuff done, that sets an example, 
um, in everything that he does with his actions. And, you know, I think I've evolved the past two years to be more of a relational leader. And, you know, I've really realized that people matter most in life. And, you know, people aren't really going to care what you have to say unless they know that you care first. Um, and so really just establishing, you know, that relationship with guys so that they can respect, trust, and know that I care about them first and foremost. And that kind of allows you as a leader to speak into their life, whether it's, you know, tough love or whether it's encouragement. Was that kind of an evolution for you? Was there a moment that you said, you know what, maybe I am a little bit distant and perhaps I need to get be a little bit closer, a little bit more personal? Yeah, I mean, I think last year I realized, you know, for so long here, I'd, you know, I'd worried about, you know, executing on the field, you know, doing well in the classroom, getting my school stuff done. I was, you know, doing a long-distance relationship, you know, was involved in so many different things on campus, clubs and ministries, and I felt like I spread myself thin a little bit that I almost let my relationship with the guys kind of become, you know, a second thought. And so last year I kind of, you know, made it an emphasis and a focus to spend more time with them and, and really dedicate myself and my time to our relationships. And what's that meant to you? Uh, it means everything, you know. They're they're some of my best friends, and uh, to share this bond and share this experience, you know, it's something you'll never forget in life. Coach Kelly even said that Drew is so perfect that sometimes his teammates are a little bit intimidated by him. Did you ever feel that? I think first and foremost, I'm not perfect by any measures, and uh, certainly don't try to be. I think any time a guy, you know, gets in the limelight or gets you know recognized for stuff that he does and isn't you know a personable relatable guy you know guys aren't going to be the first ones to go reach out to that guy um it takes some intentionality and it and honestly takes the humility and to be honest i was a pretty like like prideful guy and that's the sin i've always struggled with in my life is like you know putting others like before myself and so you know i learned that you know sacrificing time and you know maybe devoting the couple hours that i was going to spend on that engineering problem set and spending it with the guys like that's way more important in life than you know getting necessarily results all the time last one how special is all this for you oh it's great man and I, you know i'll have i'll have obviously more time to reflect on it here in december of how far we've come but I don't know, I've just been so focused week to week on, on getting the job done and so after we beat USC, you know, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing in the locker room and it's gonna be a special time to, to celebrate what we've accomplished thus far. Is that a prediction? You know, I mean, I, we go into every week thinking we're gonna we're gonna win and so you can't go into a competition thinking you're gonna lose and so um, you know, I'm betting on our team and we got a lot of great guys and a lot of great guys that wanna do their job and execute. That's a great job done by you and by BK as well. Uh, what, what more can you say about him? He's definitely, you know, hasn't gotten the fanfare that Manti Teo did a few years back in their undefeated team. But in a lot of ways, right. Todd, he's led just as much. Oh, definitely. I think it's a fair comparison, too. Um, the only argument I would say is Tranquil's as far as the classroom, those types of things. I think I would give him the edge on Manti Teo. I really do. I mean, again, up for the academic Heisman, uh, graduated in mechanical engineering in three and a half years. <laughs> I mean, what football player does that? How do you balance that schedule? Mechanical engineering at Notre Dame with all your football responsibilities. And he pulled it off seamlessly. And he's leading in one other important category, category getting catfished one less time.
one to nothing. So. <laughs> yes, still some time. Less stuff. To, yeah, I, for some reason, considering he's married, I think we're safe. There. We should be safe. All right, Todd. Let's look at this USC game. You know, the one caveat here, and it makes it a little more interesting. Obviously, they're always playing, and for you know, they're natural rivals, and and, and every year, and and obviously, it's going to be tough to begin with. They're going out west, but another caveat is they're five and six. And they need to win to get another game. You know, I don't know how much that means, but to be eligible for a bowl, maybe that means something a little extra for the USC Trojans. You look at their stats, very modest. They really don't have any big wins, although they did beat right. Washington State. I guess that's yeah. something. That would be, yeah, that would be the one you could put, you could put a circle around. I don't, considering this team's lost four out of five and then got done up by an eight-loss UCLA team last week. I don't know that these guys are, are rallying around a bowl appearance. I sort of get the impression they just want to get this thing wrapped up and over with. Um, you're right. None of the stats jump out at you, especially on the positive end of things. They're, they're on, the, on the poor end of things, they're 128th, 120th in turnover margin, so they're turning the ball over. They're one of the most penalized teams in the country, eight per game. There's really not a lot here. Um, you know, obviously they, they they lost a lot of firepower from last year. Sam Darnold was a four thousand plus yard thrower. They lost uh, their thousand yard running back. They lost two receivers that combined for 127 catches, seventeen hundred yards, and thirteen TDs. It was the first time in in like ten years that USC had to replace their top passer, rusher, and receiver. So they had to fill a lot of holes there, and it just hasn't worked out. Um, I'm just not seeing anything here. Notre Dame would have to beat itself because certainly from a talent standpoint, the Irish have a huge advantage. And JT Daniels, their quarterback, very modest stats, 2,300 yards, 13 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, nothing jumps out in the running back situation either. Uh, They've split time. uh, But, you know, I don't know. I'm looking for something where we should be worried, and I I just i am not finding it, and maybe that's what – Maybe we should be worried about. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I know. I, and you just you just feel like Notre Dame's really hitting on all cylinders. They're, they're, they've put in place this nice November travel plan. Okay, remember when they went to San Diego, they wanted to stay on East Coast time, keep all the guys on East Coast time. So they actually stayed an extra day so that they weren't taking the red eye home after the game. That was their plan there. Okay, here they're actually flying out Thursday. They want to get out there early so that they can now put their bodies. It's a it's a prime time game, so they can get the guys more acclimated to Pacific Coast time. So I think this is smart the way that the Notre Dame staff. And then after this game, it doesn't matter. You can take any red eye you want because these guys can <laughs> sleep and and do whatever the heck they want because they're going to get some time off. But I thought it was interesting that Notre Dame's going to go ahead and practice Thursday. And then they're going to have Thanksgiving dinner here Thursday. And then they're going to fly out Thursday night uh, for uh, what will be a Saturday evening game. So they're actually getting out there a day earlier than they ordinarily would. And I think it's a good idea. Well, I can't wait for it. Obviously, it's part of an entire weekend on what's going on. And by the way, uh, I, you know, we're almost out of time here. I did want to bring up. Um, I never would have thought that the you know the best team in the LA Coliseum is in the NFL now. Todd, that game on Monday night that, wow. that was at the Coliseum. I mean, the, there, we won't see points like that put up by the Trojans <laughs> on Saturday. And one other note on let's on, hope not. No, <laughs> let's hope not. Um, okay, if we get fifty, not them. Um, <laughs> one other note uh, since we're talking about the NFL, and before we go, I did want to say kudos to Josh Adams, who although. Um, the the team stinks now. The Eagles. He got a lot of time. He fifty three yards, scored a touchdown. So, and not that he's the featured back there, but he did play well on a Sunday. I don't know if you got a chance to see that. 
No, I didn't, but I know he's been making his mark there. Just to stick with the team, I thought was uh, with these injuries and everything, I thought was a nice tick for him. All right, we got a couple of minutes here. You want to talk about the basketball teams and the hockey? What what can we fit in here in the last couple of minutes we have? Yeah, I'll shoot through it real quick. Not a whole lot to report here. The men's hoops, uh, they won 67-56 over Duquesne. Not all that impressive. The game was actually tied 38-38. Notre Dame only shot uh, 37% in this uh, junior John Mooney did record his third straight double-double with 16 points and 11 boards, so he seems to be coming on a little bit. Uh, Prentice Hub had 14 points, TJ Gibbs 11. Um, so they will return noon Saturday uh, against DePaul. The women had a game as well, 101-77. That was at number 16, DePaul, a big win there. Arike Ogunbowale, 24 points. Jess Shepard, double-double with 15 points, 16 boards. Jackie Young stole the show with 28 points and 12 boards. Um, that performance by Enrique, 24 points against DePaul, coupled with her 21 points against Penn, earned her ACC Player of the Week honors. Hockey went up to East Lansing, swept Michigan State 3-1 and 2-1. They will return home. They are now 7-4-1 against RPI. I don't, don't ask because I don't know, but it's a doubleheader against RPI. RPI isn't that what the, they rate people on how the, their schedules isn't it the RPI it, it, it absolutely yeah it absolutely is <laughs> okay uh, interesting uh, Todd uh, you know what we we got to make our predictions too let's do that we do. Uh, we've been pretty accurate although you know I don't know if I picked them every week but if we we didn't then we have a, a loss in there once or twice because they are undefeated um, again I don't see much alarming here uh, the only thing I could see them do is maybe taking the pedal off uh, the gas so they can get a little extra rest towards the end of the game because uh, a week and a half is better than just a week um, I would say they're going to win 35 to three pretty good I, I'm not bad at all I think USC's really going to struggle I think the Trojans are Trojans are disinterested in this game they just want to get this season over with I think Notre Dame does exactly uses that same Syracuse blueprint comes out fast comes out strong gets a big lead and then just kind of cruises to victory I'm going to go 38 to 10 rags Sounds like a plan. Uh, the Blue Gold Report podcast brought to you by D.O. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. And if you're listening on uh, ESPN 1380 and 100.9 FM on Saturday morning, uh, make sure you stick around. Uh, the Fighting Irish preview is coming up next with Phil Houck and Tim Priester. Todd, we'll do it all over again next week. Thanks, Rags. This has been a presentation of Opt-In Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.